Would you come, my brother? Well, maybe we'll, I'm excited about what God has done. <clears throat> well, you can't tear up our church. We'll be in our new one, so we at least got to give it a little bit. <laughs> Lord willing. <laughs> well, no, you can say a word. They'll just say, that's our pastor. <laughs> hey. So I told our people. You know, I I don't, I get crazy thoughts sometimes, <laughs> most of the time. And uh, so you thank God you just have people that just go with the flow and they just say, well, we're just going to trust it. So thank all of you this week for honestly just um, these young men. You've been, you've helped me a lot. And um, a lot of things were last minute, honestly. I'm not one to sit down and say, mm, Lord, give me a sermon. <laughs> you know, most of the time, if we, if we fully, truly walk in the Spirit, the Lord will drop something in your heart at any moment. I was literally walking into the gym last Wednesday when the Holy Ghost came upon me and said, you're going to baptize the, Tuesday, the Monday night of the conference. I called Pastor Jonathan right away and said, you think we can get a bath? He said, I don't know, it's going to be 30 degrees, snowing, and all we got's a pool. I said, well, I don't think we're going to be baptizing. But thank God that God knew because what another night just life changing. God just knew. And so when our plans get messed up, just know God sees the future already. And so we just have to learn what, a, what an opportunity that God just taught us this week. And, and um, I want to just take just a minute before we, we minister tonight. And um, Me and Sister Stacy has been here a lot. But, uh, I had some friends, and Chris and Tyler were here, and my wife, and they went back. And, and uh, my wife is at home building a church. And um, I just want to honor her tonight. Thank God for her. I want to honor our pastors that are home because we're here and they're rejoicing. They're not jealous or envious or bitter. You know what they're doing? They're preaching the gospel and the altars were full a while ago. I just clicked on for a minute. The altars were full and our youth pastor preached. Is there not a cause? And I just turned back on and the altars were, I don't know if there was a place to get back in there. And our associate pastor for the last two years has built a church, preached very little. And I said, don't worry about the people. Only people I want you to worry about, Pastor David, is the contractors that come work on this church. You make sure even if they make a mistake, we're not bitter, angry, and we handle everything the way Jesus would and wash their feet. I don't want this, this church building to have a wrong testimony in this community. So you make sure that the testimony of Jesus comes out of this house. And I've seen our associate pastor be in his post for two years. Not get the glamour behind the pulpit at times. He preached Sunday, preached last Sunday. It's the most he's preached in a while. 
but his responsibility, greater anointing has come upon his life as he has oversaw the building of that new church. And I thank God for that. Amen. Last year, I want to testify, I shared with you that we were in the process of building. God made us a promise in 2019 that if we would lend to many nations, we wouldn't have to borrow. Deuteronomy 28, verse 12 says, lend to nations and you shall not borrow. And so from 2019, we begin to lend to nations. We begin to give more than we did. God said, build a church in Columbia, South America. So we did that. I'm not saying this to get glory from us because people begin to sow through our church. Our church can't do that. The population of our town is 219 people. We don't even have a red light where we are. We just got a Dollar General two years ago. We really moved up in town. Where we are floods because there's a river a half a mile, if that, from our church. And so the government went in there in 1994 and bought up all the property. So basically they ran everybody out because they couldn't keep investing all the money because the flood of that river. And so there's very few people, but what is left in those woods is a bunch of drunks, moonshine makers, and meth heads. There's a bar right down the road, and most of the time that bar has more people than most churches do in this nation. I believe the Lord gave me a promise, though, back during COVID. We went outside and we began to preach. We never shut down a service. We just went outside and people were saved. People began to hear the gospel. We began to declare it from the rooftop. We would set our loudspeakers up and people would begin to pull into our parking lot that had never been in church. One of those men had never stepped foot in a church and he came and our principal of our school preached the gospel that day. Her name is Michaela. She said, a lot of people will come to the cross, but they don't come through the cross. And she said, when you truly get born again, she said, you pass through the cross. And she said, what you carry through the cross, the things of that old life stop at the cross, but you keep living through it. And there was a man that came to that service that day, had never been to church in his life, fell down on that asphalt driveway and surrendered his heart to the Lord. He's married today, he's got two children today, and he's our men's leader today and one of our head ushers today, <laughs> to the glory of God. And so, just, you know, God is just so faithful, and we begin to declare it in them woods, and so I stand before you a year later, and I just say to many of you, even here, some of you would give $55 to buy a chair, thank you. I'm telling you, somebody wrote me today. They said, do you still have some chairs that, that you need purchase? I said, about 50. She said, well, I can only buy one. I said, well, I'm not trying to get you to buy 50. I'm just telling you. I said, you know how 350 chairs has been paid for almost from people buying one chair? Some of you have sent cards. You've sent, you've sent just a little donation. You've sent donations. I just say, thank God for you. Because we're about to, I believe, in February, Everything is in line. We just had granite countertops donated to us. A drug program showed up one Sunday night and began to have church with us. I didn't know that he was a general contractor. He builds houses. He said, don't worry about laying the carpet. He said, don't worry about putting the cabinets in. He said, as a matter of fact, we needed cabinets, $40,000 worth of cabinets. He got for $8,900. He said, don't worry about the trim. Don't worry about the doors. Don't worry about the bathrooms. He said, we're going to do it all. He said, we, need, we needed a platform. 
And here's what he said. He said, I, he came to look at the platform to measure it. And before he left, he said, somehow I'm going to find a way, he said, to pay for the platform too. He said, we're not only going to build it, but we're going to buy it. He gave the men in that drug program an opportunity, and them men came together and put together $2,750. Men in a drug program trying to get their life right gave almost $3,000 for the platform, showed up on a Saturday morning, spent all day building, and built the platform for free. To the glory of God. Somebody just came and stained our concrete, $40,000 worth of stained concrete for free. I was preaching a revival in a marriage conference last year in Arkansas, and I just shared that we were in the process of building people to pray. And this man came to me and he said, I don't know what your plan is for the floors. He said, but God dealt with me. He said, come stain the concrete floors of your church for nothing. Came the first time 14 hours from Arkansas. Our floors wasn't ready because we didn't know. We're building the church ourselves. We've never built a church before. My wife and David Brown are just working together building a church. And, um, and he showed up. We weren't ready for the floors. Turned around and drove 14 hours home. Said, here's what I need y'all to do. Tell me when it's done. We got everything done. He drove back. And him and his wife stained the floors for nothing. So we're here to build the kingdom. God, I was gone for three days, the first three days. He said, I'm starting to get mad that you, I didn't get to see you. He said, then God began to deal with my heart. He said, this is the way the kingdom is supposed to operate. So I'm just telling you as a church, get ready. Get ready. God's fixing to do great things in this place. By February, by camp meeting, Lord willing, we're going to be in that new building, debt-free. <laughs> To the glory of God. God is so good. And I just say, if he's done that for us in the middle of nowhere, I don't know, God just did it. There's not money in our church, but there's a lot of widows that brought their two mites. Let me tell you, I believe that's going to be the greatest gift in heaven. It's the widow and her two mites. So you continue to give. I say all that to say thank you for your giving this week. We are blessed. We're truly blessed. We don't deserve it. But God has, has us here, and I believe we've been on divine assignment. And so I just want to honor all of our people back home. I love them. We couldn't do what we do without that. And I also want to thank God for Laura and Lindsay. You two have been just phenomenal, and I honor you two so much. I love you. They're such a blessing to us. Sister Laura's my son Lakin's teacher. And um, honestly, you have changed our life. You've changed my son's life. And I just honor you so much. I love you and Lindsay so much. Y'all have been help. We couldn't do what we do. We'd be give out and done. And so we just thank you for coming. So glad God opened the door. Amen. I love Pastor Jonathan and Pastor Angela. They've become dear friends of mine. I, I believe and I believe we kind of have now. Just I trust you with my life. I told them we sat to eat. <laughs> And I said, before I got born again, I said, I wouldn't, I said, I'd take your wife in your wallet. And, um, but God changes things. And I believe when you can trust a man with your wife in your wallet, then you can trust him. And I trust you with my wife and my wallet. And I know you would take care of both as much as if it was yours.
I love you so much. I love this church. You have one of the greatest churches in America that I know. I'm telling you. This place is organic. Let it grow. It's the only word that comes to me is organic. It's just an organic atmosphere. God's done some stuff this week. God's done some stuff. Deep stuff. Personal stuff. Godly stuff. Man. I sat here tonight just, it's clean. It's clean air. Some of you, I, I could just feel your breathing tonight. Didn't feel all locked up. I just felt the Ruach of God in this house. I just felt the breath of God in this place. And I just felt like God breathed on dry bones. We heard some noise. We heard some rattling. We heard some shaking. But tonight, I saw an army that was standing. Not no longer lying. No longer divided. No longer dry. No longer. And so I just say thank you, New Life. Thank you for having us. As much as I'm ready to go see my, my family, man, it's going to be hard to leave. Thank you for trusting Stacy to come when you didn't know her. I told y'all she's the best preacher in our church. <laughs> I told y'all. <laughs> Lorenzo agrees. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and uh, we're blessed. We're blessed to be here. Just excited to see what God's going to do. Amen. Well, guess we better get to the word. Um, I'm going to be in First Kings 19, but I'm going to say this. First, uh, I may be a little bit different tonight. Is that all right? I may slow down a little bit, man. My heart's in it. Alex, you said something a while ago whenever you got the mic. You said, Lord, thank you for reminding us that we're children of God. We're children of God. And I just felt prompted of the Lord to just say this over this house. I've learned that one of the greatest tactics of the enemy is to steal your identity. Identity theft is huge in this nation and in the world. But this world just called up to the devil because the devil's been doing it a long time. And I use this in a different manner, I believe, last night, but the moment that Jesus was baptized and he came up out of the water, the heavens opened. And the Father spoke from heaven and said, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. So right immediately after that, the Bible says the Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted 40 days and 40 nights. Well, the first thing that the devil come to Jesus and said, if you are the Son of God, the first thing, the first thing, listen to me. When the heaven opened, the Father didn't say, this is my minister. This is my pastor. 
This is my prophet. He said, this is my son. The first thing the father established in Jesus before he ever put him in ministry was sonship. The church has lost its identity. And we operate with an orphan spirit. People get jealous and angry over nonsense. You ever seen an orphan? It's mine. We don't share. We don't play. We don't have emotions. If we have emotion, we have one. It's usually anger, and it's that fast because it's mine. The church is operated with an orphan spirit. And the Father wants to establish sonship. When I say sonship, I mean sons and daughters. If sons and daughters are going to prophesy on this hour, then you got to know who you are. He said, this is the hour that sons and daughters would prophesy. And I can assure you this, the first thing that Satan tried in Jesus, if you are the son of God, that turned this stone into bread. Now let me just share with you this. People that don't know who they are as sons and daughters would try to prove who they were in their gifting and anointing and ability and say, well, I got miracle power in me. Let me show you. And we start performing miracles without knowing who we are. There's a lot of people that are searching for gifts and anointings without knowing their establishment as sons and daughters. I don't care how many demons you cast out. If you don't know who you are, you'll get to your house tonight and you'll feel like the biggest failure in the world. You can preach the greatest message and millions of people can get born again and give their life to Jesus and you still not know who you are or your identity in Christ. The enemy tempted Jesus with if you are the Son of God. In the beginning of his ministry, and in the ending of his ministry. As Jesus was hanging on the cross, Satan looked up there. If you are the son of God, take yourself down. The enemy is after your identity. Five years ago, I was with Pastor Lee and Pastor Shedrick Winfield. We were in Columbia. It was our last night there. And uh, I went down to the street to to purchase some things to take back to my family. And it was my first time going. And this street was somewhat like L.A. And uh, downtown or Miami or New York or, I mean, transvestites were everywhere. Prostitutes were everywhere. And, and um, I mean, they were just everywhere. So I go down there by myself. And, and I probably shouldn't have done that, honestly, went by myself. But Pastor Lee and Pastor Shedrick were ready to rest and get on a plane. Well, I wanted to go get some stuff, so... I go down there, and I get some stuff while I'm headed back to my motel room. Now, I don't mean this in any kind of way, but Colombian women are beautiful. They're beautiful. And so, you know, so here I am, my past, so sexually immoral, if I'm just being honest with you. The enemy knows how to tempt you and try your identity. And so these two beautiful prostitutes get behind me. 
And I'm just going to tell you what they said. They're, they're following behind me, and I'm walking to my room, and they said, we want to go with you. And I said, oh, my God. I said, is Lee watching me? <laughs> Shedrick's looking out the window because these two prostitutes are right on my back. And they said, two for 40. And I said, oh, my God. My heart's beating fast. I'm just being honest with you. My heart's racing. I'm like, what do I do? There was a good opportunity. <laughs> a good opportunity for me to give in. My wife wasn't there. We're in Columbia, South America. Don't nobody know but me and God. Come on now. Because if you're not a person of integrity, it's easy to say yes to anything temporarily. And so I keep walking, and my heart's beating fast, and I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm going to tell them I'm a pastor. And God said to me, they've slept with a lot of them. He said, what good's that going to do? Because you're a pastor? Ooh. <laughs> they don't care that I'm a pastor. Let me show them I'm married. Ooh. He's married. I've slept with a lot of married men. Because that's not my identity. Being a pastor don't make me who I am at the end of the day. If I'm married or if I'm divorced or if I'm single, it don't make me who I am in my DNA at the end of the day. And then I heard God as plain as I'm talking to you. He said, you turn around and tell them you're washed in the blood and that you're a child of the Most High God. So I turned around to them two prostitutes. Uh, they may have been Colombian, but they heard English, brother. And I turned around to them. I said, I'm a blood-washed son of the Most High God, and I can't sleep with two prostitutes. Can I tell you, right then, I shared with them who I was, not what I did, not that I was married, but I'm a child of God. I shared with them my identity and the moment I said that, they took off and turned the other way. I don't care what job you got. I don't care how good you preach or how well you sing. You better know who you are when the devil's on your back. I'm a child of God, and I'm here to prophesy. This is the generation sons and daughters will prophesy. So just because you have the ability to turn a stone into bread, you better be sensitive to the Spirit. People that don't know who they are always have to prove themselves. But in their peace to get to a place in your life where you have nothing to prove. Orphans are always trying to do something for performance. Come on now. Can I just tell this church, quit performing. Quit performing for God's love. Come up here, Pastor Jonathan. I'm going to be him for a minute because I'm way up here. He's like, I got to look way up at him. So I'm going to be Pastor Jonathan. He's going to be Jared. <laughs> All right. Whew. That's bad, ain't he? He's, oh, my God, please not. <laughs> so many times, you know what we do? We want the pastor's attention. So we'll perform. I wonder if he saw me worshiping. 
I wonder if he saw me praying. I wonder if he saw me run to the altar. I wonder if he saw me. I wonder if he saw me give that big check this time. Because I really, you know what, I never got nobody's approval. I really want my pastor's approval. Tell him, good job. You set yourself up for great danger. Because he's human. And he may not give you what you want. But God always will. Can I tell you something, church? When you know who you are, it's nice when man gives you a pat on the back, but you don't live every day for it. Do you know why the prisons are full? Because there are people in there with an orphan spirit. And they begin to kill people because they wanted their daddy's approval. They never got the pat on the back, so they said, I'll go get attention even if it's in a negative way. These men are in gangs around here. You know why you gang banged? Because you felt accepted there. You're looking for acceptance because we were created and born to be accepted in the beloved. Can I just tell you, new life, no more performance. Get in his presence. I love you. Thank you. I love these people of God. Amen. Do you appreciate your pastors? Can we just honor them? Before I preach, amen. Hallelujah. I love y'all. You're my people. Hallelujah. By George, like it or not, they're my people. Amen. First Kings 19. Um, well, Thank God, man, God did some stuff in this house this morning. My God, some, some people that just showed up today. We wouldn't have even had service today. But people that God just dealt with this woman, she said, I lied to get here. <laughs> what a God. She told me, she said, I knew in my mind when I got up this morning, I had to get to that church. God set her free right here today. She is speaking in tongues. Demons were just, I'm talking about projectile. This woman got free and was baptized in the Holy Ghost. Other people came today that hadn't come all week, been seeking the baptism for a year or two, and got baptized in the Holy Ghost this morning. I mean, my God. It was powerful. One sister came right here. Some, I believe Alex was praying for her. Amen. I don't know who else. Delia, right here. You and Delia were praying for her. She got up, looked different. She said, something just came out of me. She said, I felt it leave my stomach and out my throat. She said, a devil just left me. She said, a demon just left me. She came to Sister Stacy. She said, I believe I'm in witchcraft. She started talking about witchcraft. And uh, it left her. Amen. I mean, it left her. Praise God to the glory of God. Amen. So I, I believe I've, I've got a word for us tonight. Uh, I, I got home last night, and Pastor Jonathan, we were just talking yesterday, and he said, I think we're going to, I didn't know we was going to have two services today. I don't think they knew. It just kind of came out. So I was there, and Pastor Angela walked up about the same. So what are we doing? I said, well, he just told me we're having two services tomorrow. And I got home. I'm thinking, oh, God, what are we going to do? You know, I just felt kind of unprepared. And, and I got home, and. And the Lord said, you're going to preach the mandate of the mantle. The mandate of the mantle, 1 Kings chapter 19. 
The Lord said tonight we're going to burn the plow, we're going to slaughter the ox. And um, I'm excited. I just believe this is the word to seal this meeting. And, um, and, and so I, I just believe, I, I pray, I pray that God would just talk to us tonight. Amen. That God would just talk to us tonight. Father, I ask you, Lord, to come and to minister to us, Lord. I ask you, God, to anoint us and just give us liberty tonight in this place, oh God. Jesus, let us be real. God, let us just be led of the Spirit of God. Jesus, we just love you, Lord. We thank you for all that you've done this week. It's been mighty. It's been powerful, God. It's been supernatural, Lord, and we thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. First Kings 19. The Bible says in verse 19, So Elijah went and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, plowing a field. There were 12 yoke of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away, or the mantle. Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah and said to him, First, let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye. Then I will go with you. Elijah replied, Go on back. But think about what I've done to you. My God, my God. Some of you need to grasp that scripture this week. Because some of you is going to want to go back to some things. But you need to circle that scripture right there in your Bible. Think about what I've done in your life this week. Mark the date. Think about what I've done for you. Think about what I've done to you. Verse 21. So Elisha returned to his oxen and he slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. My Jesus. He passed around the meat to the townspeople and they all ate. Then he went with Elijah as his assistant. Would you pray with me one more time? Father, I thank you, God, for this opportunity to just be in your presence and to be in your house tonight. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen. Before I talk much about the prophet Elisha, I want to back up just a minute. and I want to tell you back in chapter 19, you will see where the prophet Elijah had just called fire down from heaven in, the, in chapter 18. He stood before 450 false prophets, and they began to cry out. And Elijah began to say, whoever's God answers by fire, his God is God. Well, right after Elijah calls fire down from heaven, the Bible says right after that great victory, you need to hear me now. Because many times right after a great revival or fire falls from heaven, Jezebel shows up on the scene. Jezebel shows up on the scene. But let me tell you what, Jezebel didn't even show up to the prophet. Only one of her messengers did. So one of Jezebel's messengers got after the prophet and began to talk to the prophet about this time you're going to be dead. She began to prophesy death over the prophet. Well, guess what he did? He tucked his tail and he ran. 
He ran. Then he began to hide. Then he began to run in the opposite direction that he was called to run in. And before I can get where I need to get, the Lord just told me to tell some of you, be careful what direction you run after tonight. Be careful what direction you run. When Jezebel or Jezebel's messengers get after you and begin to talk in your ear, be careful. You say, Pastor, how will I know if it's Jezebel? Well, in the morning when you get up and you don't want to get out of bed because depression hits you. When depression hits you, when you start questioning everything about the call of God. Now stay with me just a minute. Elijah the prophet left his servant and he isolated himself. When Sunday morning rolls around and you don't feel like going to church because they don't really want me there. Revival was just a lie all week. I don't really think that they meant it. And you want to isolate yourself because the Bible said that Elijah left his servant and he went all three days into the wilderness. When you begin to feel the spirit of isolation get on you, then you better know that Jezebel has sent her messengers to lie to you. Because hell hates what God's done this week. Hell hates when fire falls from heaven. Hell hates when false prophets hit the floor. Don't tell me that as many devils as in this carpet, that the devil's going to sit back and just let it go on. My wife called me last night after I said what I said. She said, I don't know what's wrong with my car. She said, but I think the motor's about to blow up. I told y'all, the devil's stupid. I said, well, just park it, baby. We'll do something else. By God, we'll walk if that's what we got to do. But we're not going to pay attention. It's just a trial of the devil. He's always got little schemes. But you just got to understand, it's just the trying of the enemy. He wants to try us. He tries our reins a little bit. And God is sitting there saying, well, is he going to be faithful? Well, he just said it out of his mouth. Now what's he going to do? See, a lot of you have said things out of your mouth. Now God's going to try you in it. Did you mean what you said? Did you mean you would lay it all down? Did you mean you would crucify everything? Did you really mean you would lay it all aside? Did you really mean you'd forsake all to serve him? Did you really mean it? Because there's going to come a point when God is going to touch your God. And if Jesus is in your God, then he's going to get up in your business. I'm telling you, get ready. But you know what? It's not because God's mad. But he proves our hearts. God never tempts us, but he tries us. He tries us. And so here's Elijah, the prophet. Now he's running three days into the wilderness. He's isolated. Can I tell you, you can't fight this fight alone. If you hear, you begin to believe in yourself, I don't, nobody want me around, you better get to somebody right now. 
You better pick up the phone and say, oh, Jezebel's after me. Want me to isolate saying I don't belong there. I don't fit. They ain't got place for me. They don't care about me. They don't love me. Come on now. Don't go to sleep on me. I know you're tired. Devil would love to lull you asleep right now because you're going to need this in three days. I'm going to tell you, you're going to need this in three days. I promise you, it's going to come to somebody. And, and here's what usually happens. We'll blame them. Well, it's their fault because they didn't come hug my neck. They don't love me no more. Come on, somebody. I'm a pastor. I'm not an evangelist. <laughs> Ask me how I know. Hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, somebody. <laughs> you got to know the plan of the enemy. I'm not telling you to go looking for the devil. Don't go hunting demons, my God. Just look for God. Demons will come hunting you, baby. Don't go devil hunting. Don't look behind every corner for a devil. Just look for God, and the devil will come looking for you. But my God, when he finds you, let him find somebody with power and unity and love. Let him find somebody full of the Holy Ghost, because when he comes, you can have my life. Somebody praise him tonight. Somebody say, I'm not going to devil hunt. Praise God. Somebody say, I'm not going to look for a reason to get offended. We'll see if you mean it three days from now. You just said it, not me. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. If this happens to a man of God like Elijah, come on. Jezebel is a witch. She don't care what status you carry. She don't care how much fire you cause to fall from heaven. She's just mad. And I promise you, old Jesse will walk right up in this house like she owns this place, baby. I promise you'll know Jesse when she's here. Old Jesse. Anybody know old Jesse? Oh, yeah. Everybody knows Jesse because she's going to get right up in your face. She's going to plop down right in that reserve seat and say, oh, this must have been reserved for me. Wow. That's mine. You always know a Jesse. They always like they're anointed. They always act like they got a gift and they always act like they love you at first. But that reserve sign's always, not only on that head, it's in that heart, brother. They think they come up in here to take over everything. Won't be long, they'll have a reserve sign on every seat that's in this house. They'll have a reserve sign on your children and on your children's children and on every generation if they can. I'm telling you, Jezebel, don't play. If Jezebel didn't get, if she didn't mind going after a prophet that just called fire down from heaven, I can assure you this. She don't mind walking up into La Habra, California at New Life Church. I can tell you that that spirit is angry about what God has done done here this week but I came to tell somebody you and I have been made overcomers by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony but the only way you can overcome is not to isolate don't get offended don't run to the wilderness run to the altar like you have this week 
So Elijah runs off. The prophet. Oh, my God. I'm telling you, get ready. I feel the Holy Ghost. Get ready for Jezebel. One place Jezebel can't stay is in a prophetic house. Brother, your mantle shifted this week. I'm going to get there in a minute. You're no longer a plowboy. You're a prophet now. I knew last night I sat there, but I, I didn't say it. I don't even want to act like when you were talking last night. I said the words fixing to become reality. Brother, you're fixing to preach vision over this house. You're fixing to preach prophetically over this house. It won't even be the same. What comes out of your mouth is not going to be the same. I'm telling you, get ready. I saw you like the prophet Elisha getting face to face with that dead boy of the Shunammite. I saw you face to face in a room, brother. You've made room for God, and now God's going to make room for you. You see, the problem with a lot of people, they can't be trusted behind closed doors, brother, because they plan a funeral instead of planning for a resurrection. Brother, you plan for a resurrection, not for a funeral. Let me tell you something. The church isn't going backwards. I don't know who you've been listening to, baby, but this church ain't going backwards. This church is full of the Holy Ghost and fire, and I'm telling you, somebody has made room for a resurrection. Sometimes you just got to keep walking, saying it is well, it is well. If the Shunammite would have told her husband what was wrong, he'd have said, bury the boy. She said, no, I'm going to get to the prophet. We're going to raise that boy. There's resurrection in this house. Resurrection in this house. Plan for a resurrection, not a funeral. It is well. That Shunammite gaze eye stick won't work. Don't settle for a dead man's stick. Come on, somebody. That stick touched that boy's face, didn't budge him. There's a lot of calisthenics, brother. Programs don't work, but prophecy does. The prophetic always will work. Amen. Elisha showed up to that widow's house. What's left in the house? Nothing. Oh, yeah. I got a little blot of oil. Can I tell you, he's the God of what's left. My God, I don't care who's left. He's the God of what's left. You may say, I don't have much, but what I got, I give to God. Can I tell somebody tonight in this house, he's still the God of what's left. I said he's the God of what's left. You may have got rid of everything else, but all God needs is what you've got left. Some of you probably saying this week, my God, I got rid of everything. Thank God. Just keep the oil. So Elijah gets off out there. Jezebel runs after him. Next thing you know, he's begging God to take his life. I don't know. It's just overwhelming. I'm depressed. I'm underneath this tree, and I want to die. I want to die. God come to the prophet and said, eat and drink. But this journey is too long for you. And he did it again. Did it again. God just told me. Some of you has been in the wilderness isolated. Before I can talk about the prophet Elisha, I got to tell some Elijahs to get up from where you are. God's asking, why are you here? This isn't where I sent you. 
So God said, why are you doing it here? Elijah, I didn't send you here. And God began to have a conversation with Elijah. And he said, get up. He said, get up. My God. As I was sitting right there today, brother, God said, go back a little bit before you talk about burning the plow. And he told me to do this over your life. He told Elijah, he said, get up. He said, you're fixing to anoint the next generation. Sometimes, brother, we get so low in ministry. Like, God, I don't know what to do next. We're just crying out to God. Sometimes we even go as low as saying, Lord, just remove me. Let somebody else take over that can take this thing to the next level. God, just, just take my life even. Lord, I'm so tired. I'm tired of being hurt. I'm tired of seeing my wife hurt. I'm tired of all the stuff. Lord, we do everything we can do to just go, God. Lord, I'm weary. I'm wore out. And we just sit here. And God said, get up. He said, and anoint Elisha. Anoint Haziel. And anoint Jehu, my God. Because Jehu's going to be the one that brings down the very spirit that's after me. And Elisha's going to be the one that carries the mantle that's upon you. We'll talk about Haziel another time. Because you still got Haziel's in the mix too. They smother out some people's recovery because they want what they want, got their own agenda. We'll talk about that another time. But God told me, brother, he said, get up. Just want to anoint your hands, please. You're fixing to anoint the next generation. You're fixing to anoint some Elishas. You're fixing to anoint some Jehus. You're fixing to anoint some Haziel's brother. What you can't do, others are about to do for you. The Lord said you're about to pass your mantle to a generation that'll go farther than you. They'll go deeper than you. They'll take the DNA of this house worldwide. Speak God. I am 
the God of the next generation. Jesus. As I told Joshua, as I was with Moses, I will be with you. You will cross that river. My God. I'll take you places that you've never been before. But you will possess the land. Jesus. You will lead the people into the land. Our generation that will possess the promised land. Jesus. So at Elijah's worst, God began to have a conversation about a man by the name of Elisha. <laughs> Elisha, this is going to be my plow. Is that all right with y'all? Elisha's just out plowing for his father. God's having a conversation about him. And I'm going to tell this church, God's been having conversations about your life that you knew nothing about. When some people are at their darkest, God was talking to them about you. God will talk to your pastors about your life at their lowest moments, at moments that you don't even know. God's been having conversations about you in heaven that you knew nothing about. about to take a turn in your life you don't even know it because you just got your hand to the plow and you're not looking back but God just got a man up out of depression God just got a man up out of suicide God just got a man up out of a Jezebel attack and God was talking to him and he said get up son he said, and go anoint that next generation. He said, I got something for you to do. He said, and that that you anoint is going to be greater than you. He said, get up, son, and go anoint Elisha. So Elijah began to say, all right, God. So then God began to have a conversation. God had to tell Elijah right where Elisha was at. Because the Bible says, when you get to verse 19, it said, Elisha, the son of Shaphat. If you look up Shaphat's name, his name means judge or lawgiver. 
Some of you's been in a season of plowing. It's been hard. Now remember this. He was plowing for three and a half years on hard ground because it hadn't rained. My God, my God. Some of you's been living such a lie. It's been hard. And it's just been like a lawful life. Some of you's been so bound by the letter. You've been living by the judge. You've been living by the lawgiver. The son of Shaphat. His name means lawgiver. And you're out here pushing the plow with the ox and some hard ground. Imagine the dirt, the dust that is everywhere. Because you ain't had rain in three and a half years. But by God, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be faithful. God sent me to this house, and he said the seasons are shifting. He said the seasons are shifting. He said he's about to call some of you out of the field. He said, I'm about to call you out of the field. He said, where you been for a long time? He said, I'm about to call you out of that field. Now, I need to tell somebody tonight. My God, my God, my God. The field was not wrong until the mantle showed up. I said the field was not wrong until the mantle showed up. Come on, somebody. I said the field was not wrong until the mantle showed up. But the moment the mantle showed up, the field was no longer his purpose. The field was no longer his plan. The field was no longer his job because the mandate of the mantle fell upon Elisha. Now he's got to leave the field. The field was his purpose. The field was his passion. The field was his provision. The field was what his pappy handed down to. The father, the son of Shabbat. Well, I'm out here plowing because I'm pleasing my father. I'm pleasing my daddy. That's what my daddy did. said seasons are shifting seasons are shifting he said I'm calling you out of the field you see a lot of us say well what's wrong with the field nothing's wrong with the field until the mantle shows up but the moment that the mantle showed up in that field now there's a mandate on that man's life what you gonna do my God my God my God let me tell you what God didn't waste his time or his breath or your finances this week, just for you to say on Facebook, well, we had a good revival. No, God's going to put a mandate of the mantle upon your life this week. And he's going to say, it's time. I'm calling you out of the field. He said, what your hands has been on, he said, they're not going to be on any longer. He said, your hands are about to come off that plow, baby. What you've had a hold of for so long, your hands are gripped around that plow, brother. That's your comfort zone. God said, I'm calling people after what you've always seen. Because when you're plowing, you got to look at the last row before you get to the next row. God's about to change somebody's vision. What you've been looking at all your life is about to shift. Everything's going to change. So Elijah went and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, plowing a field. He's plowing. I said he's plowing. Got his hands to the plow. Now listen to me. I know, I know. I, I, I get it. 
put your hand to the plow and get on with life. All right. But when the mantle shows up, you better. Because it's not that you're letting go of his plow. But you're letting go of yours. You never let go of his plow. Because you're always plowing. But sometimes you got to get your plow out of the way. Because your plows become your comfort zone. And your handprint is embedded on that plow. And what you've been looking at, the back of that ox uh, and the same old row all of your life. God said you get nowhere but deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Back. Some of you need to let go of what you've been holding on to because it's time for a new season, says the Lord. <laughs> you know, my God. When Jesus came to the disciples and said, Thank you, brother. He said, uh, they were fishing all night, caught nothing. He said, on the right side of the boat. Seems stupid, don't it? <laughs> Come on, somebody. Especially for a professional, for a professional fisherman. I'm sure all y'all never thought Jesus was stupid. <laughs> I'm not saying you called him stupid. You just thought him saying that to me was a little silly. Come on now. Anybody ever been there? Am I the only one that wants to get real right now and just say, Jesus, I, I didn't really get that. I mean... They're going to like the bait here just like they like it over here. But all right, Lord. All right, Jesus, if you say so. With a bad attitude. Oh, I'm sorry. Y'all would never have a bad attitude with Jesus. Bunch of fakes. I'm picking. I love y'all. I'm the only one that gets a bad attitude. Ooh. Mine's bad sometimes too. Man, I'm like, Jesus, what do you mean? I know better than you. I've been fishing all my life. Who do you think you are? You just show up on the seashore and going to tell me what to do? I've been out here all night and got nothing. Why don't you get out here and do it? Let me tell you something about Jesus. He's already got on the seashore cooking what you're trying to catch. That's another message for another day, but some of you need to quit, get out of the world out there trying to get acceptance and attention and love because Jesus already has it waiting on you. Jesus already has cooking what you're trying to catch. Come on, somebody. Just tuck that back somewhere because you're going to need it the next time you're out there trying to catch something that you ain't supposed to be catching. So, so they said, all right, Jesus, we'll throw it on the right side of the boat because you said so. And they pulled it on the right side of the boat, and guess what they did? Because in the kingdom, there's overflow principles. God wants this house to live in the principle of the overflow. And in the kingdom of God, there's not right and left, there's right and wrong. You know why he fished on the left side of the boat? Because it always worked. But when Jesus showed up and told him to fish on the right side, brother, the left side don't work anymore, now it's wrong. It immediately became the wrong side of the boat when Jesus said, throw out on the right side. 
So let me tell some of you. Some of you's been fishing on the left side and it's worked up to this point. My God. Some of you's been plowing out in the field and it's worked up to this point. You've been surrendered under Shaphat and it's worked up to this point. But God's calling some of you and he's about to break the law over you. He's calling you into grace. He's calling you out of the field. He's calling you from being a plowboy to a prophet. You can't be a plowboy and a prophet at the same time. See, too many people trying to prophesy with a plow still in their hand. We wonder why the prophet has to has to has to bow that it does. I can tell you why. Because people's trying to prophesy and plow at the same time. They can't hear from God because all they can hear is ox. Come on now. Some of you can't hear from God because all you can see is what's right before you. So the field wasn't wrong until the mantle showed up. Things you brought in this week, some of it was wrong, some of it wasn't. But now God's putting his finger on it. And if you continue to hold on to it, then guess what? It becomes sin. Because him that knows the good and doeth it not to him, it is sin. The plow can mean what your hands have held on to. Oh, my. Sometimes I push my plow like this, even though I'm so tired of wearing it wore out. I just push the plow like this because nobody understands. And you just love carrying this around. And you're like, and you just love carrying the plow around. And many of us got hurts and habits and hang-ups. And you know what? You're, it's just so comfortable. You just love it. It's my plow. My daddy gave me this plow, and I, I would never give up this plow. You just don't understand what this plow means to me. all I know. I know it's what all, it's all you know. All you know is to be pleasing to your daddy. Let me just push the plow. See, the plow represents everything your hands is holding on to right now. Because you can't hold on to his hands and hold on to the plow at the same time. So God is asking us tonight, what are you going to let go of? Are you going to let go of his hands or are you going to let go of the plow? I love you. God's fixing to shift this house. But he can't take you here if you bring this with you. You can't bring the plow to where God's bringing you to the prophetic. You can't. When I say prophetic, you followed the prophet. Bear with me. So we hold on to this stuff. Some of you have been holding on to stuff your whole life. You get around people, you try to hug, but guess what? Your stuff gets in the way. You go to church and you try to worship God. Let me get to the altar. Oh, God, I love you. Oh, God, but I can't even carry this. Oh, God, yeah, I love you, Lord. Hallelujah, amazing grace. Oh, yeah, I'm free. Okay, thank you, Lord. I'm going to go back home and love my family like I've never loved them before. I love you, baby. Yeah. 
you're still a bear. Because you won't let go of the plow. So everybody's affected by the plow. But it's all I've ever known. It's comfortable, brother. It's what you've known. See, your hands are just gripped right there, aren't they? See? I mean, man, that's where they've been their whole life. It's comfortable right there. It's easy right there. I don't have to have faith right here. Faith untested is just theory. We can talk a good game, but very few walk it. The field's good. The field has worked. The field's been my provision. It's been my purpose. I'm not knocking anybody where you've been. I'm just saying to you, what are you going to do when you leave? Because the mandate of this mantle is heavy. And everything has to change. Where my feet always walk, man of God, they may not walk no more. I could do the, the plow in my sleep. It was my routine. It was my ritual. I could just wake up in the morning, roll out of bed, and get about my routine. I knew where the ox were. I'd have kept them fed. I knew where everything was. I hooked my plow up, and I go to work. I knew what time lunch was. I knew what time Mama had lunch ready. I knew what time everybody would be in position. I knew that the 11 other people would be in front of me. I had them lined up. It was my routine. Nothing wrong with your routine until the mantle shows up. Everything changes. You're with me. Stay awake with me. When the mantle comes, there's a mandate. Everything changes. Your routine breaks. Your rules break. Your religion breaks. Your comfort breaks. What you've always known. But, but my hands could grip it. And this has protected me. You won't hurt me as long as I got my plow. Because you'll tell me you're proud of me as long as I got my plow. Because I'm working hard. And daddy will be so happy. As long as I plow. But this is what is breaking you. This is what is keeping you from the presence of God. Many of you, you made New Year's resolutions. What good is that when you're just trying to get it? You've already lost that. You've already lost it. You've already left it. You had good intentions, but you didn't leave the plow. The plow could be your pain. The plow could be your problems. Some of you held on to your pain for years and you use it for an excuse to keep doing what you want to do. Well, you just don't understand. God does. The plow can mean what your hands have held on to. Some of us have hurts, habits, and hang-ups that we have had our hands on and we haven't wanted to let it go. 
to be honest, in this passage of Scripture, when Elijah placed his mantle on Elisha, I don't see where Elisha was jumping up and down, wanting to let go of the plow either. He wasn't saying, hallelujah. Elijah showed up in my field and put a mantle on me, and now i got to leave it all behind. So to be honest with you, you're probably not going to be like, my routine's breaking. My plow's going to get burned up. And I'm going somewhere. I don't even know where I'm going. I don't even know. But God talked to this man about me. God talked to this man about me, so I know I got to go. But even he almost went. And then he said, let me go back to modern day. And then the prophet Elijah said, don't you know what I did to you? You know what he was saying? Don't you feel the pressure of that mantle? You feel the pressure of that mantle now. Somebody grab something back here. Yeah, can I use this? There's a mantle that hangs over your side. I believe it's a new steering wheel instead of a plow. Now God gets a grip. Instead of me holding on to the plow. Now God holds on to the mantle, brother. And he said, go right. I go right. He says, go left. And I go left. He says, go straight. I go straight. And if God pulls me back, by God, he pulls me back by the mantle. I'm telling somebody there's a mandate to this mantle. But the only way that you can follow the mantle is to let go of the plow. You get a hold of the Father's hands then. And the Father get a hold of your mantle. He'll begin to lead you. He'll begin to guide you. Your routine will break. Your rules will break. Your religion will break. What you've always looked at will break. Your vision's going to change. You're no longer going to be under the law. But you're going to walk in the grace of God. You're going to experience Jesus like you've never known him before. He's going to take care of you. He's going to provide for you. He's going to love on you like you've never been loved on before. All you're used to seeing is broken up dirt. Now you're going to see broken lives. Come to know the saving grace of Jesus Christ. You can't be a plowboy and a prophet at the same time. Where the man of well. Listen to this. Elisha wasn't jumping up and down to let go of the plow, but he did it. Sometimes you just, God, God, I don't understand. But God, I'm going to do it. He also knew that if I'm going to move forward in my life, I first have to let go of my past. My God, listen. And my present, the plow, to fully step into his presence. My God, my God. You got to let go of your past and your present to step into his presence. Many years ago, I was in a drug program. and My mom got me a new pair of boots before I went in the program. They were steel toed. But my toe got wore out and the steel began to show. And one of my teachers pulled up there one day, and he said, Jared, let me see them boots. I showed him my boots. I was proud of my boots. My mom got me these boots. My mom saved my life. 
She put her foot down, had me arrested. My mom wrote in my Bible, September 19th of 2003, a brand new start. My mom got me some new boots. And I was working now, and I was proud of my boots. They was wore out, but they fit my feet good. You ever been there? Just get that pair of boots. They may be ragged out, but by God, they feel good. And uh, and it came to me that day. He said, you want some new boots? And something inside of me was like, I want something new. I've never deserved anything new. <laughs> now, somebody's going to come and give me some new boots for free. these boots and he said what size do you wear and I told him and he went back and man he was so excited and gave me these new boots he said try them on so I put them new boots on I wore them and bang my god my feet started hurting but they sure were pretty about a new week rolled around and it came around I had them whole pair of boots back on I began to struggle in my life with some things. He sat me down on the stool in front of me and the men that I was in the program with. And I had them old boots on. He said, Jared, he said, son, do you know what your problem is? He said, you won't wear the new boots. He said, Jesus has gave you a new life. But you want to beat your soul self up with your past. He said, Jesus has gave you new life. He gave you a new pair of boots you didn't have to pay for. And look at what you're choosing to wear. He said, look at them boots with holes in them. Look at them boots. Look how dirty they are. Look how filthy they are. And he got the new boots and he said, look at these beautiful boots. He said, you choose that over this. He said, you've done it your whole life. So I want to tell somebody here to not put on the new boots. I finally put on the new boots, brother. And I began to wear them new boots, and they stood out. My feet hurt for a little bit, but guess what? My old feet got them broke in. Anything new, my God, it's going to hurt for a season. <laughs> Anything new is going to hurt for a season. But people's going to know that you got the new boots on, brother. People's going to know that you got new boots on. It's painful at first. Not everybody's going to understand it. Not everybody's going to get it. And a lot of times we don't get it because I like the old boots. They fit me good. But we settle in our walk for the old boot. So the plow had to let go. You still with me? The plow, your past, your failure, your abuses, your molestations, your rapes, your abortions, your abductions, your abandonments, your addictions. All of that, the plow's got to go. Tonight, the plow became the wood. Oh, my God. You know, plows are wooden. So that, that he had his hand to, was now going to be the wood to build the fire. Oh, Jesus. Some of you have been afraid to share your ugly. My God. Some of you have been afraid to share what you've had your hand on. 
But what I came to tell somebody, it's going to be the wood that builds the fire. Some of you's been afraid because fears had a grip on you. Some of you just need to be bold and say, I'm going to build a fire tonight with my fear. Sis, you said earlier, you said the opposite of faith is fear, right? Well, you know what? I agree with that, but not fully. The opposite of, fe- of faith is facts. And facts always produce fear. Well, Joshua, if you put your foot in that river, it's going to sweep you under. That's facts. But the facts of that produces fear, and we never step. Come on, somebody. But faith overcomes facts. My God. Facts said that I had a kidney disease. That could produce fear in my life. But faith says keep trusting God. And faith destroyed the fear. And faith destroyed the facts. Come on, somebody. You see, the root of fear is facts. People know everything about everything. That's the problem in this generation. we got to be a people of faith. So I'm not mocking that. But when you said that, God had to teach me that during COVID. He said, don't you dare shut this church down. He said, the facts are people are sick. He said, that's facts. The facts are people's dying. Not making light of that. He said, but it's producing fear. It's producing fear. He said, so have faith. Keep having faith, and I'll destroy the facts. I'll destroy the fear. And so I know that it's hard, but some of you need to take that ugly. Your pastor got very vulnerable today. Brother, I saw you preaching that around this nation. I'm going to tell you. I saw you before thousands. I did. Telling people your battle as a young man. I saw ministers running to the altar getting free because there's preachers full of the Holy Ghost that believe they're homosexual today still. There's pastors that can't be intimate with their wife, brother. There's pastors that are behind pulpits eat up with shame. What is wrong with me? What is wrong with me? Brother, I saw you. I saw you today carrying wood. I saw you carrying wood. Some of you brought some stuff to the fire tonight. Some of you is going to throw it in the fire, but guess what? You're going to keep building the fire. You're going to keep building the fire. Bailey, this is firewood. Bailey, that guy shared on Facebook. This is what revival looks like. We're soaking a fire, baby. I said we're building a fire. I said we're building a fire. Some of you need to take the very thing that you've been holding on to and you need to build a fire with it. You need to build a fire with it. Don't, my God, don't just let it go burn the plow. Why do you got to burn the plow? Because what you don't burn, you'll return to. What you don't burn, you'll return to. You don't burn that porn, you'll go back to it, I promise you. Come on, somebody. You don't burn that relationship in your heart, you'll go back to it in a rainy day. Your marriage will get back on the rocks and you'll just keep that phone number on there for, for a rainy day. Come on. Come on, somebody. I don't know if that happens in California or not. 
But where I pastor in Florida, it happens a lot. Y'all probably real good. Y'all don't deal with that stuff, do you? That anger, if you don't burn it. You see, here's what he did. I mean, I could say a lot of stuff, and but you know. You know your hidden thing. You know your plow. It's evident. Come on, somebody. You act like everybody don't know what it is. By God, it's very evident. Sister Stay said today, it's easy to point out people's faults. But to say you're going to build a fire. I told Pastor Jonathan, I was the opposite way. Brother, I'd get, I'd get girls that were pure. Take advantage of them sexually. One girl, by the grace of God, just showed back up to our church. We were taking communion one night. Call my wife now. God's honest. I'm sitting over there. God said, you're going to get right word of that. She just got out of a crazy hospital. For three years, I knew I put that girl in that Mooney Hospital. I put a dope pipe in her mouth the first time she came to our house. I had an agenda, brother. Living my life. This girl's in a crazy hospital, brother, because Jared Jenkins put a dope pipe in her mouth just for one reason. Communions that were before me. The Lord said, Get your life up here. My wife didn't know it. I said, Carrie, I got to get right with this girl tonight. My friend is the chairman of our board, Ryan George. It was at his house. We lived together. And I said, Ryan, I need you here with me. We're in there. We were cooking dope together. I called her to the front. I said, Sweet, I'm sorry. I hurt you. Used you. My wife don't know what it is. Brother, it was just wood. Wood to fire. But if I'd have hid that, my God, I'd have been tormented. But I just called her to the front. And in front of the whole church said, Oh, goody little Jerry Jenkins pastors. took some wood from deep down in my heart and I threw it on the fire, brother. I'm tired of playing goody boy. I'm tired of playing good church. I was a wicked man before Jesus. And thank God that God brings people to our life, brother, so we can look at them eye to eye and say, Sheila, I'm sorry. I hurt you. It may have been 20 years ago, but by God, that little girl hadn't forgot it. And so in front of the whole church, Pastor Jared, pastors, guess what? Pastor Jared gets to humble himself and put another log on the fire. There was not long ago, I wouldn't tell anybody that I had three abortions because I'd never take ownership. But I told your pastor today not long ago, I was preaching in Mississippi. 
and the Holy Ghost came over me. He said, tell them people, don't let this suit fool you. He said, tell them you was a murderer. Tell them you was a dopehead. Tell them you was a whoremonger. He said, tell them what you were before you ever put that pretty little suit on. He said, tell them what you really were. And I began to talk about it. After that service, the altar's filled. There was a man that had been walking with God for 40 years. But when he was a teenager, he got a girl pregnant. She had an abortion. It's his wife's best friend. He said, every time I get around her, we hold our head down in shame. He said, I'm a doctor now. He said, I've got a lot of money set on the elder board. He said, but brother, when you confess that, he said, I knew then I got to go to that woman. And I got to tell her I'm sorry. He said, not only am I going to get free. He he said, but I know it's going to free her. Can I tell you? I started telling people without a shame in my heart. I started telling people, you know what? I used to be a murderer. I had three abortions. But you know what now it is? It's another log on the fire. I just get to build a fire. And you know what you do? You don't only build a fire, but he took the plow, the very thing that he worked with, the very thing that he provided with, and he not only built a fire, but he slaughtered the ox. My God, he took care of these ox he fed them ox every day he took care of them ox every day and guess what them ox took care of him my God my God some of you is going to have to give up some things that have got you to this point where you are in your life the ox took care of Elisha Elisha not only took care of him, but the ox took care of Elisha. They pulled that plow, brother. They pulled that plow for three and a half years when it was hard ground. They kept pulling. They kept plowing. And they kept pulling. But can I tell you, the Bible said, he said, slaughter the ox and burn the plow. Some of you are going to have to put a knife to the very thing that has held you captive, that has been your provision, my God. It's been your provision. Are you hearing me? And for somebody to have 12 yoke of oxen mean they were very wealthy. Can I just be honest? Some of you is going to have to slaughter your success. Pastor Clinton said, he said, my greatest fear in life is not failure, but being successful at the wrong thing. That ox represents success. And if Elisha would not have put that knife to the throat of those ox and let every ounce of blood run out, brother, it has still been life to go back to. See, tonight in this church, you've dealt with a lot of things. But tonight, tonight we're going to burn the plow so that we never go back. That you never go back to it. Tonight's going to be the night that you lay a knife to the throat of that that's been your provider. Some things have taken care to you, of you up to this point, but guess what? God may cause you to cut the throat off that thing and go on with his life. I'm about to close. The wood from the plow became the fire to cook the ox, to feed the people. Oh, my God. Listen to this. Y'all ready for this? What once consumed you, you're about to consume. Come on. Come on. Come on. 
I said, what once consumed you, you're about to consume. It's had a hold of you for a long time, but I came to tell somebody what's had a hold of you is about to lose hold of you. You're about to grab a hold of that. It's consumed you long enough. Now eat it, baby. Hallelujah. Some of you's been consumed by some things, but God says you're about to consume it. <laughs> you're about to consume it. God doesn't waste anything, but instead he uses all things for his glory and his goodness. Let me tell you this. If what you went through isn't feeding the people around you, then you need to start being an overcomer and sharing about the deep, dark things that God's delivered you from. And are you hearing me? I said he burned the plow and he cooked the ox on the fire and he fed the people. It's what you've been through feeding anybody. Are you being selfish? Are you being selfish with it? See, what we've been through needs to begin to feed the community. People need to know what you've been through. They need to know the dark stuff, but how God has been good, how God has been glorious, how God made you an overcomer. I'm not bound anymore, but I once was, but what I was, I am not now. Hallelujah. Praise him 30 seconds. Come on, church. Kevin, in order to move into your next season, you're going to have to burn where you are right now. The video popped up today of this time last year. On this day last year, brother, you got filled with the Holy Ghost. Ha. That fellowship all turned upside down. But now there's a requirement to being baptized with the Holy Ghost, and that's to burn the plow. That's to slaughter the ox. God said, I go deeper. He said, there's a mandate. You know why you've been over right now? Because a mantle fell upon your neck tonight, brother, and there's a mandate to that mantle. The Lord said, there's some things you got to burn. There's some things in this mind, brother, you got to burn. Some things in that life, brother, you got to burn. God established covenant with that family of four and that baptistry the other night. He said, no going back, brother. No going back. No going back. Don't doubt the call to ministry that's on you.
12 yoke of oxen meant that he was very successful in his life. Listen to this. My God. The Lord began to deal with me about some things in my life. He showed me this. Sometimes God calls us into our next season in the middle of our best season. Remember, it hadn't rained in three and a half years, and it just started raining again. <laughs> then the mantle shows up. See, some of you think the mantle would come in the middle of the drought. But the moment the rain starts, the ground drops. We're going to have our best year ever. Finally, no dirt. Finally, no dust. Finally, it's easy to plow, and I don't have to buy all new plows. Brother, you talk about a harvest we're going to have this year. And then the mantle comes. Why now? Sometimes God calls us to our next season in the middle of our best season. Surely God could have came three years before the drought. Call me then. Spare me from the famine, by God. No. I want to see if I can trust you for the three and a half years before I mantle you up. Will you be faithful in the field before you're faithful with the prophet? <laughs> he plowed. Then the rain came. Then the mantle came, my God. <laughs> then the mantle came. Many times the mantle will come right when the rain starts. After three and a half years of drought, which means we will have our best year in years, but the mandate of the mantle is greater than my success in this field. You can be successful at the wrong thing, and the mandate of the mantle is greater than you being successful in this field. My God. God's got a new field for some of you. It's a new season for some of you. Hear me. You've got to burn the plow, though. You've got to slaughter the ox. Some of you, God's going to move you into some things. Are you with me? God's going to move you. Sister Stacy had to quit believing what that man spoke to her that day. She, I don't even remember this. She said, I was preaching one day and stopped and said, don't you teach. After she had sat on the pew for a year, don't you teach. So everything about Sister Stacy had to shift. Then the mantle just came upon her. Amen. She wasn't asking for it. She's just sitting on the pew. Don't you teach. I do. The mantle hit her. The mantle fell upon her. It's just like that. The mantle fell upon her. Then all of a sudden, amen, when the mantle falls upon you, he brings you forth into a new season. Amen. Listen, when I say moving fields, don't mean always moving churches. Come on, somebody. Don't let fear get in you. I'm not talking about moving churches. That ain't what I'm talking about. I'm talking about getting out of the hard things. My God. I'm talking about trading the hard stuff. I'm talking about trading your plow that you've always had. 
saying God's calling you out of some hard stuff. Calling you out from plowing all the time. Calling you into prophesying. Like Pastor Tony showed up at the jail, got the keys to the kingdom. Preached 808 men. Traveled to India for two months, didn't know where he was going. The mandate of the mantle took him there. Preached over 40 times to people in India and Dubai. My God, that's a mandate of the mantle that falls upon somebody. You gotta go. Listen to this. But the mandate of the mantle is greater than my success in this field. One wise man of God once said that failure wasn't his greatest fear, but being successful at the wrong thing was. So for him to slaughter the ox meant he was killing all of his success of his previous life. (laughs) No matter how successful you are or have been, or you are right now, it truly will never never satisfy the soul once the mandate of the battle has fallen upon your life. He fed the people the meat of the ox. Are you listening to this? He's serving them what has served him purpose his whole life. I said he's serving them what has served him purpose his whole life. My God. (laughs) Listen, these people now know that the mandate of this mantle is real. How many times has people heard that you got a new mantle, but you never moved? My God, my God, my God. You never moved. You just said, I got a mantle, but you never did anything with it. When these people that have seen Elisha's life, now see him burning the plow and eating the ox, and now they're eating of that ox. My God. Now they know that the mandate of this mantle is real. How many people have you prematurely used your mantle for wrong things? I said a while ago that whenever Elijah the prophet was there and he said, get up and anoint Hazel, Elisha, and Jehu. You know what the Bible says? He said, Hazel came to the prophet Elisha. Ben-Hadad sent him and said, ask the prophet if I'm going to die of this sickness. You know what Elisha the prophet said to him? He said, go back and tell him you will recover fully. But I see him going to die. And Haziel, I see you going to be the king. So Haziel goes back to Ben-Hadad. And he said, Ben-Hadad said, what did he say? He said, the prophet said you'll fully recover. But, see, Haziel had hidden agendas. So the Bible said that Haziel took a garment. If you look up the word garment, it means mantle. Oh my God. So what he did, he, he brought misuse to a mantle and he soaked it in water and he smothered Ben Hadad's face out. Some people misuse their mantle and they smother other people's recovery with their religion and with their wet mantle. Don't misuse your mantle. How many times have you left revivals like this and tell people you got a new mantle but you didn't burn the plow, slaughter the ox and the people saw you live the same way that you lived prior? See, these people are eating now what has always fed them because the ox brought provision to them. You know what he's saying? We're going to eat up my provision and now God's going to be my provider. My God, my God. God's going to be my provider. I'm about to close.
These people now know that this mandate is real. These people have seen the ox serve Elisha and this family for years. These ox have pulled the plow, brought forth great provision for all their lives, but yet now we are consuming what has consumed much of his time over the years. This mandate must be real, they say. God is about to call people forth to a new season, but there will be a huge cost in letting go of the last season to move into your next. If there are things here tonight that you need to let go of, then God is saying tonight's your night to let go of it. Tonight's your night to burn the plow. Tonight's your night to slaughter the ox. Tonight's your night that the mandate of the mantle falls upon your life and that you get rid of everything that you brought into this meeting this week. Would you stand with me? Brother Gilbert, you got the fire ready? They got the fire ready. I want to know if anybody brought stuff to burn. Anybody bring something? I'm going to read you a scripture that we're going to read to the law if they show up. Just kidding. Acts chapter 19. Paul's preaching in Ephesus. Verse 13 says that a group of Jews was traveling from town to town casting out evil spirits. Sounds like what's been going on here this week. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this. But one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them and overpowered them and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. The story of what happened spread quickly all through Ephesus. To the Jews and Greeks alike, a solemn fear ascended on the city, and the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. A number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them at a public bonfire. The value of the books was several thousand dollars. So the message about the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. Can I tell you, I believe that tonight is the final night of this meeting. But I believe that what you burn is going to be made known to the public. What you put in that fire, you're going to begin to testify about. You're no longer going to be shameful about it, sister. You hear me? You're not going to ball up in a corner no more, sweetheart. You're not going to ball up in a corner no more. Look at me. You're going to carry that camera. You're going to walk in the anointing of God. You hear me? I took a picture of you holding the camera because I needed it. Because when God restores, he restores back for you. Jesus. Let me tell you something about photographers. They're people of vision. You look for opportunity to capture a moment. And the Lord said, I don't want you to miss a moment for your life. When you look through that lens, you're looking for vision. What do I see? And God's about to open your eyes like he did the servant of the prophet. You're about to see there's more for you than there is against you. 
It's time, brother. It's time. It's time. Preach the word. Some things are in the way. You know. It's good things, too. It's good things. It's not bad things with you. There's something very good in your life. But it's blocking the purpose and the power and the plan of God. There's more in you than you know. There's greatness in you. The only word that I think of is greatness. Greatness is your word, brother. There's greatness in you. Brother God just said you're a pastor. In the same way that people follow you on the football field, they're going to follow you to heaven. telling you. So this time, get your feet moving. Don't just listen to what was said last year, because you can play it every year and never move into it. I love you. You're a pastor. You're going to be like Paul. Follow me. So I'll follow you. Sister, come here. Right here. Come up here, Mom and Dad. I told her this a while ago privately, but I want to say this publicly. There's something very valuable in your life. You have felt like a counterfeit with no value. You felt like a coin with the face rubbed off. Like you didn't matter. You've sold yourself short. And you've stooped way down. But you're valuable. You're beautiful. And the Lord's going to break rituals in your life. And you're going to come into deep relationships. nothing wrong with what you've been taught but God's going to break that because you got to let go of the plow it's time to let go of the plow what worked up to this point has been okay but now it's not it's time to move fields so Father I just ask you to work in this 
sis, I say to you, put on the new boots. Don't wear the old life around any longer. Okay. have anything so I don't really have anything necessarily materially or tangible I'm going to throw in that fire but I want to throw everything there from my past everything leave it there want to get rid of it it's just you and Jesus you and the Lord out there. 